This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. We're talking real money. Hi, everybody. I'm Don McDonald. Welcome to Talking Real Money. You, you remember me back um, several weeks ago? Yeah, me. You know, the guy who used to do the show with Tom and actually was doing them all along. I have been on vacation for about three weeks now, and I'm back here in the studio and really, really thrilled to be back in the studio. I really love doing this stuff. Uh, I truly do. And today is the Friday Q&A edition, but we've got a few changes coming up that I want to make you aware of. Uh, one of those, these are really minor in the grand scheme of things, but it may throw your listening schedule off a little bit. The Saturday show will no longer be aired as a podcast on Monday and Tuesday. Instead, we're shooting for Tuesday and Wednesday. Nothing big. But what we're going to do in the interim, in the meantime, is Tom and I came up with a new idea for Mondays. And we're going to call those Monday musings. We're going to talk about things that, yet yeah, while still money-oriented, because almost everything has to do with money, Things that are of personal interest to either one of us, uh, things that that we've experienced that we want to share with you, and uh, that involve somehow money, but not uh, far less investment oriented. We are not going to spend Mondays talking much about investing unless there happens to be something of great note that one or the other of us would like to talk about. Sometimes we'll do them together. Sometimes they'll be separate. And the first one that Tom suggested we do is uh, a little chat I want to have about traveling. Uh, because this trip was one of the first really big trips that my wife and I have taken together. And it's uh, it, was, it was kind of a bucket list trip. And there were a lot of very interesting things to learn or that I learned about traveling and about me and about the money it takes to travel. And, and so I'm going to share those on this upcoming Monday Musing. So that'll be every Monday. And then we'll have the Saturday show split up between Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday, be Tom and I talking about whatever. Friday, the Q&A, and then back around to Monday for Monday Musings. And as it's a Friday edition, it's Q&A. And uh, you send those questions in. I try to answer them. Most of the time, we take them from TalkingRealMoney.com when you type them in or speak them into the contact form. Hopefully speak them. Uh, sometimes we take them at 855-935-TALK, and uh, that gives you a lot of ways to get your questions asked. But this first one comes in from TalkingRealMoney.com. Hey, Tom and Don. It is Mike from Minnesota. I noticed there is a new Avantis fund out. AVGV, All Markets Value Fund, covers all the world in value. And I was just curious to your thoughts. Currently, I have 50% of my taxable brokerage account in VT, 25% in AVUV, 15% in AVDV, and 7.5% in AVES. And I'm currently thinking about changing my 
my new money allocations to 50% VT and 50% AVGV just for ease of rebalancing at the end of the year. Anyways, if you could let me know what your thoughts are on this fund, and uh, we'll go from there. I always appreciate you guys, and it's a pleasure listening. Thanks for all you do. Bye now. We've discussed this, or Tom has discussed this. I think we've discussed it, too. The fact that when somebody brings out a, a fascinating new product, we feel compelled to go get it, to use it. I felt it. I felt it. The minute I heard about AVGV, AVGV, it's hard to keep up with all these letter combinations, isn't it? A-V-G-E, the, it's like, I'm sorry, A-V-G-V. See, I'm messing it up. It's like A-V-G-E, which is the total equity market, but it leaves out all the growth. Whereas the Avantis A-V-G-E overweights to value, the A-V-G-V further overweights to value. So, in your case, Mike, given that you have already, you've got the AVG, no, you have the VT. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense because you're using the Avantis value funds to overweight to, to, uh, to the value side. And I think it's the perfect adjunct to a VT because VT does not overweight value. VT is, Growth and value, little more emphasis on growth because that's the way the market's gone lately. But uh, the AVGV, which is the Avantis All Equity Market Value Fund, is the perfect way to add value to a global portfolio and, in your case, make balancing a whole lot easier. So I'm a fan in your case, and I'm going to be a fan of the fund anyway. It's just that how do we build the most perfect portfolio? Well, it depends. Uh, but AVGV is a, is a nice addition for those. For example, if you have a, a retirement plan at work and it's heavily growth oriented, but you also fund an IRA or a Roth, you could use the AVGV, the new one, the value one, to give yourself a better global value overweighting or or uh, weighting. So anyway, I hope that made sense. I'm probably delirious from traveling too, um, and that'll be <laughs> in the Monday musings. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting trip. Well, I'll tell you more about it later. Tom also said a lot of people wanted to hear about it. So uh, let's move on. Let's move on to our very next question. Hi, Tom and Don. I have a question about allocations in custodial Roth IRAs. Both of my boys, ages five and seven, have a small amount in their custodial Roth IRAs, only about $1,000 each, and they'll probably only earn and contribute around $500 more each year until they can have other sources of earned income. So not a ton of money. I opened the accounts last year through Fidelity and put the money into their zero total market index fund just to get things started and plan to come back and figure out a better allocation. Well, it's been a year now, so it's time for me to figure it out. For my own investing purposes, I took your risk quiz and scored a 71, so I'm not opposed to something more aggressive for the boys, especially given their long time frame. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much. Good, smart move. Taking the risk quiz for yourself, for your kids' accounts. Because while the kids can be ultimately aggressive, 
Because, well, a couple things. One, they don't ever need to rely on this money. And two, they have a long time frame. So they really can afford to take the risk, and they're not going to know the difference. The person who's going to know the difference is mom. Because mom's going to be the one looking at it going, well, if I panic, then, you know, I'm going to freak out and move it into something else. Smart. Smart to do that. Um, I believe that you should be, at this age, as aggressive as you can possibly be because, historically, it's paid off so well. Do we know it will in the future? Heck no. But we do know it has. I mean, small cap companies, the little ones, they've just kicked over the the past uh, hundred years. They've destroyed large company stocks. The returns are dramatically higher. So you could do, and you can do this with Fidelity, you could do something, we're just talking about Avantis. The the Avantis small cap value index, or not index, um, market fund, they don't index, they use asset classes. The Avantis small cap value fund, A or ATF, A-V-G-E, is to my mind, a smart way to take advantage of the fact that the kids have almost infinite risk tolerance within reason. Because, again, when we're talking about risk in this case, we are not talking about the risk of total loss. I do not believe, I do not believe there is any chance of even something as aggressive as AVGE losing everything because it's so well diversified. You'd have to lose hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of companies and dozens of countries, more than dozens, oh, dozens. Uh, so I think that would be a much better place than the Fidelity Total because the Fidelity Total is large and small. And it's also an emulation fund. The fees are so low at this level. They're so low. We're, we're below on all of these kinds of things, half a percent a year. And you're going to pay more for a more aggressive fund, but history has shown us that that more aggressive fund would have made more money, not just a little, a lot. So that's what I would do. This was my kids. And I know I have a, a, even though I'm older, I have a high risk tolerance because of my knowledge of the markets and having lived them and studied them for so long. I'd, I'd go AVGE all the way. Thanks for the call. And Good for you, funding your kids' retirement. Here's another one. Came in through TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form by pushing the little microphone button. It's so easy. Hey, Tom and Don. I want to get your take on Voya Financial. They are the provider for my employer 401k. Uh, a few times I've heard you guys mention them. You seem to scoff. So I wanted to get kind of your breakdown of what should I expect from Voya? Are there any hidden fees or things I have to look out for? Um, they only offer about five different funds in my 401k, which isn't great, but uh, I have enough there to uh, be diversified. And the expense ratios are actually uh, pretty low. I think 0.02 is the highest I've seen for the funds I've chosen. So just wanted to... Uh, learn more about them and things I should be on the lookout for. Thanks for everything you guys do. Uh, as long as you keep hitting record, I'll keep listening. Thanks. 
Oops, there, I went and did it again. Darn it, I hit hit record. Now you have to keep listening. Voya. Uh -huh. <laughs> is, that, is it a scoff that we do? Yeah, maybe it is a scoff. I, I don't know if it's a... If it's a scoff or a sigh or a guffaw or I don't know. Voya is one of those duly registered advisor firms. They're really more of a broker-dealer. They're more of a commissioned-based sales organization. Now, I wish, and this is my, my fervent wish all the time, is that when you call, you'd give me the names of some of the funds you use in your portfolio so that I can look them up, learn a little bit more about them, because the fees sound ridiculously low for something sold by Voya. And I'm now scratching my head going, how's the Voya rep getting paid? Because if the total expenses of a fund are 0.02, well, heck, that fund almost has to come from Vanguard which is a non-profit or a not-for-profit. It's, uh, it's a mutual company. It's owned by the shareholders. Voya is definitely a for-profit company that has commissioned salespeople. And that's our big concern about Voya. Uh, it's the, the caliber of the products offered, the commissions generally associated with them. If you have a fee-based account with them, their annual fees can, according to their ADV, be quite high. Uh, generally, they're sort of a trading the the market kind of a house. They're the latest hot things. They're generally not a financial planning, uh, true 100% fiduciary kind of firm. So that's our beef with them. But in this case, I can't get much more specific than that because I don't know the name of the plan that is being used or the names of the funds being used. But I have to tell you, I think your company may be a little lazy in their advisor and plan custodian selection. And I'm guessing it's probably because of a personal relationship the owner or the somebody on the board has with this particular person at Voya. That, that's my guess, being of suspicious nature. But I, I don't know much more than that. I wish I could tell you a lot more, but I can tell you that if I was managing a 401k fund for my company or a, another company for whom I worked, Voya would not even be on my radar. Voya would not be on my radar. Ameriprise would not be on my radar. Merrill Lynch, uh, 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 J.P. Morgan... Uh, many, many others, uh, LPL, they would just not be on my list. I would be looking at 100% fee-only advisory firms and the custodians they use at a very, very low price point. I, and I don't know anything about the pricing in this case. But thank you for bringing it up. And uh, if you do want to at a later date, call and share with us some of the funds. I'd love to check them out. Thanks for calling. Now, let's sneak in one more before we call this a Q&A podcast. Well, it is a Q&A podcast, but we'll call it that after I'm done. Gentlemen, I got a few questions for you. My name is TJ from Minnesota. Uh, my wife and I are both in our mid-40s. Uh, we hope to retire around the age of 60. We've got just under a million in total assets. And my two questions is this. Um, most of my work 
403B is managed through Fidelity along with two Roth IRAs, one for my wife and one for myself. Um, the majority of my work 403B is in a Fidelity, uh, sorry, a Vanguard target retirement fund. Most of it is in the year 2045. That would be about the time I would hope to retire. My spouse and I would hope to retire. However, it seems a little overly conservative for what I need. So my question is, should I move it to the 2060 or 2065 fund to make it just a little bit more aggressive since I'm not anticipating uh, needing it in the next 10 to 15 years? My second question is, <clears throat> excuse me, is in my Roth IRA, since the majority of my 403B money is in the Fidelity Freedom Fund, should I be overweighting my Roth IRAs in small cap? Currently, I've got it at about 20%, just wondering if it should be higher. Appreciate you guys taking my call and uh, hope to uh, learn something from you. Thanks. Well, first, I would not be using the Fidelity Freedom Target Date Funds for anything. They're expensive. They're really expensive. Compared to Vanguard, yeah, a lot expensive. Uh, so we've got all kinds of different things going on. Now let's go back to the Vanguard target date. You need to build the portfolio for you. And I, I've said this over and over again. We both said this about target date funds is they are set for a particular average person of a particular average age group. They are not specific to individuals. And individuals need and want different things, which is why we believe that almost everything you do with your investments should be based on your risk profile, which includes your risk tolerance and your risk needs. Um, and you are a better judge of that than most anybody. So if you think that the 2060-2065 is more appropriate for you, with the understanding that should we hit another down market of some substance, the 2060 or 2065s are going to take a far bigger hit than the 2045 in most normal market cases. Uh, if that's okay with you, if you're comfortable with that additional volatility and we'll wait the fund out, then absolutely. As a, uh, On the other side of the coin, the, the Roth, I think that maybe you shouldn't glide path that at all, given that you're saying you're a more aggressive investor. It may not be a bad idea to just, since you've got the bulk of your money in these target date funds that tend to be more growthy and larger cap, that you overweight small cap and value in your, uh, your, your Roth because those are smaller amounts anyway. So you might consider something like AV you or AVGE. I'm starting to get all my term. The 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 small cap value fund, uh, or something similar at Vanguard or uh, or wherever. But um, yeah, make it right for your risk tolerance, your risk profile. Go take our risk quiz if you have it. It'll give you a better idea where you ought to be anyway. And even then, the 2060s, 2065s are not crazy aggressive. They still have a bond position. Thank you so much for your call, your question, uh, all of those that are sent into TalkingRealMoney.com on a regular basis. Lots of you doing it, and uh, I truly appreciate it, and thanks for uh, hanging in there while I took a vacation. Tell you more about the vacation on Monday, and remember, if you have a situation in your financial life that requires a little more than a few-minute phone call or, or call into a website, 
We are one of the few firms that will give you free help. Truly free help. Honest. You just ask and ye shall receive. Go to TalkingRealMoney.com, click on Meet an Advisor, and we'll give you time with one of our advisors. No cost, no obligation, and here's the best part of all, no high-pressure sales pitch. So just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and uh, ask. As a matter of fact, you can even get Tom. He'll help you out on Saturday mornings. He does it all the time, and he loves it. I prefer doing the podcast. It's just we're different people. (laughs) Thanks so, so much for being there. And please tell friends. And if you like what you hear, leave a review at Apple Podcasts. If you don't like it, well, just don't listen. Thanks. (laughs) Take care of yourselves. I'm Don, finally back from Europe, sitting in my nice air-conditioned studio in steamy Florida, talking real money. If you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?